one of the most original and controversial poets the history of english literature has seen john donne what makes him so with startling metaphors and striking imagery he overturned the smooth measured lines of elizabethan poetry bristling with energy and vigor he stormed into the scene what did he bring with him complex witty conceits paradoxes and a linguistic immediacy for god's sake hold your tongue and let me love this is his opening for the poem canonization in the sun rising he starts busy old fool unruly sun why dost thou thus through windows and through curtains call on us hardly lines you would expect in love poetry would you but then dunn's genius temperament and learning gave to his love poems a power at once fascinating and disconcerting he makes no effort to be coy and delicate irreverent bold abrasive his poems shock and startle he juxtaposed the earthly and the divine he outraged his contemporaries and readers with explicit sexual imagery side by side with the mystic the religious and the mythical 1781 dr samuel johnson coined the phrase metaphysical for a loosely associated group of poets john donne was a great influence on george herbert richard crashaw andrew marvel john cleveland this followed a comment by john dryden who observed don affects the metaphysics not only in his satire but in his amorous verses where nature alone should reign he perplexes the minds of the fair sex with a nice speculation of philosophy when he should engage their hearts and entertain them with the softness of love what then are the features of metaphysical poetry we ask ourselves what is it that obscured dunn's poetic worth for a century what concealed the depth and range of feeling his his poetry expressed a range of feelings emotions unknown to the elizabethan songsters songwriters uh, look at sydney watson drayton daniel spencer you can see they have touches of originality but largely they imitated or they translated petrarch the italian sonneteer metaphysical poetry a new distinctive style in the 17th century a new genre of poetry it's characterized by themes of knowledge intellect it employs immaculate wit complex extended stretched metaphors we call them conceits and what about the meter or the rhyme you don't have the melody there it is unrecognizable uneven paradoxical images subtle arguments inventive syntax run through their poems imagery is luminous but then ingenious and demanding the poems were packed with conceits and affectations and that brings us to the question what's a conceit 
taken from the Latin term for concept, a conceit is often unconventional. It's logically complex or a very surprising metaphor, very unusual and far-fetched comparisons are made, unlikely ones and totally surprising or shocking. Let's take an example from Dan's A Flea. Oh stay, three lives in one flea spare, where we almost, nay, more than married are. The flea is you and I, and this our married bed and marriage temple is. Don't we see the magic of these metaphors? One image can be stretched to accommodate a range of meanings and associations. They open up thrilling possibilities. Now the flea here is actually a very uh, objectionable, a very absurd, uh, you know, image to view in a love poem. But then look at the way he has extended it. It's such, it's so unusual and so witty. It's like uh, he's uh, forced an argument. And then, however absurd at first it may be, the poet justifies it. And it's a very ingenious argument in a very relentless manner uh, till he calls it, uh, calls the marriage bed and he calls it a marriage temple. So the conceit is actually the focal point at which he merges everything, emotion, sense, impressions and thoughts. All of them are perceived as just one. Now, in a valediction forbidding morning, we have one of his most audacious conceit, where he has gone into mathematics to get a beautiful image for his love poem. He refashions with great elegance an ordinary mathematical compass, and it becomes a poignant reflection of romantic togetherness and individuality. It's a beautiful meditation on the recipe and balance and stability that you find in a long-lasting relationship. So this is it. This is what Dr. Samuel Johnson said. He said the most heterogeneous ideas are uh, yoked by violence together, ransacked our nature and art for illustrations, comparisons, illusions. But having said that, let's not forget that though Dunn stuns us with his dazzling wordplay and surprising contrast and a very intricate kind of an analysis, his images coming from diverse, least expected areas. You know, you could even think of law or physiology, mathematics, theology, just from anywhere. But he deftly structures them. He connects in a very coherent framework And he brings it all together, uh, compelling us to think and see things in new perspective. His love poetry was written 400 years ago. Yet, it's so vibrant, so alive now, speaking to us directly, urgently, as if we overhear a present confidence. It draws us in and we are palpably involved. Why does this happen? 
Precisely because Dunn is a poet of the now, of the present. There's a freshness, an unfussy quality about his poetry. The feeling, you get the feeling of a voice emboldened by love to speak clearly, unabashedly. He's a poet of the intimate moment, creates private, intense, unique narratives. Let's take an example. Look at this poem, The Sun Rising. It's a common theme and we expect, like other lovers, that Dunn wants the night with his beloved to last forever and morning never to come. We are startled by the confident arrogance of the voice that says, Busy old fool, unruly son, why dost thou through windows and curtains call on us? Young, brash, laid back? What sets him apart? It's love. Love that exalts him and his beloved far above, far removed from the mundane world outside, the public at large. And that's why he says, Shine here to us, and thou art everywhere. This bed thy centre is, these walls thy sphere. This bed, it is so profoundly dramatic. This is done as a love poet, arresting, uncompromising. And this is what engages us. There's always this uh, strong sense we have of a debate, an argument, uh, a dialogue or another presence in the room. Let's take another one of his uh, priceless gems of love in the anniversaries. He says, all other things to their destruction draw. Only our love hath no decay. This no tomorrow hath nor yesterday. Look at this. For for done, love transcends time. For him, love all alike, no season knows, nor clime, not hours, days, months. These are but the rags of time. Done in the 17th century is challenging the public world where sex was considered sinful or at best a necessary evil. He champions the world of the bedroom, raw physicality, sensual, intimate relations, explicit sex, youth, love, wit, transcendence. In the canonization, if we see, Dunn's lovers rejoice in the compatibility of their sexual and spiritual love and they seek immortality for an emotion that they elevate to sainthood to an almost religious plane. This is done at his best where he respects no boundaries. All consuming love embraces sex, sensuality, the physical, the religious, myth and the very divine. We somehow remember D.H. Lawrence because he felt and expressed something similar. That sex was the closest experience to spiritual union and divine ecstasy. Now we ask ourselves another question. Do we see in Dunn 
a love poet of the same stature as Shakespeare. Shakespeare certainly sounded a deeper note. He revealed a fuller sense of the complexity, the contradictions of passionate devotion. But done entirely unconventional, breathing new life into it, its sensuality irritated by a brilliant wit, fascination and scornful anger inextricably blended. Had Don complete artistic sincerity? If he had a deeper controlling sense of beauty, he would have been, as he nearly is, the greatest of love poets. Are his love poems purely personal or just that? Or do they include a satire of the outside world? If you examine his poems closely, you find a deeply flawed public world too. And what's that world like? There's ambition, aggression, flattery, greed, endless litigation, disputes. In the canonization, for example, the speaker celebrates love at the beginning and the end of each stanza and paints the public world in between. It's apparently a poem uh, with an uninhibited expression of sex and love. But you realize that it's equally engaged socially and politically, attacking conservatism, depicting society at large, the king, the court, education, money, war, law, religion. And we have, of course, the late schoolboys and the Tsar apprentices in the sun rising. Somewhere, do we also perceive a tinge of cynicism? of a young, ambitious Dunn who lacked in the public sphere the success he desired. Having looked at metaphysical poetry, Dunn as a metaphysical poet and uh, Dunn as a love poet, poet, we'll move on to the next episode and then we'll uh, uh, deal with uh, many of his poems and also of the appeal that he has uh, to to us in the 21st century and we'll take some more critical aspects of John Donne.